Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 380, 380, for the week of September 8th, 2014. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with the coming week's astrological forecast and regularly feature listener emails, recorded listener consultations, and interviews with other astrologers. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of ThisWeekInAstrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. We alternate long and short shows. We have a short show this week. We're going to start with the forecast for the next seven days, followed by a sneak peek at the following week. And then we're going to have our part one listener chart. This time it's Michelle and uh I was looking for someone where the full moon in Pisces that's happening this week was lining up in a really sweet spot, and boy, she's got it. She's born in 65, and she's got that Uranus-Pluto conjunction opposing Saturn, and uh, makes for a very interesting interpretation as the full moon lines up on that. So that is our show for you this week. As a reminder, right away, just in case you uh, are listening on Monday or uh, any day up until September 8th, uh, I am giving away a free two-hour session to someone who sends me a suggestion on what I can do better. So I will announce that in more detail in the announcements section here in a few minutes. But be aware that the deadline is uh, the end of the day, September 8th, 2014, to send in some suggestion for something I can do better in my podcast, my video, my um, newsletter, my website, um, so that I can take my stuff to the next level. And one person will be drawn to win that two-hour session. So, with that said, let's get into the forecast. A mystically empowering Pisces full moon highlights the week, along with a creatively divine Venus-Neptune opposition. Several Uranus aspects add energy and excitement, as do several new and peaking aspect patterns. So that's the overview for the week. As far as what's old, we still have a waxing moon, and we still have several aspect patterns in play that started already, including a cradle, a mystic rectangle, another cradle, and a grand cross, which I have already discussed on prior shows. And in addition, we still have three retrograde planets, Pluto, Neptune, and Chiron, and Pluto will be there retrograde through September 22nd. So now let's look at our individual days of the week. On Monday, September 8th, we have a Sun-Uranus quincunx. The Sun is at 16 Virgo, Uranus 16 Aries. Intuitive flashes are available under this aspect, especially if you ask for them and leave a quiet moment for them to arrive. With the Sun in Virgo, breakthrough ideas related to health, service, and procedural improvements are even more available than other types of intuitive flashes. We also today have a Moon-Neptune conjunction that's lining up around 5 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Wonderful time to uh, go into deep meditation or uh, let the creative flow come through and express or enjoy the creative inspiration that others have provided us. Then later, the Moon and Chiron come together. That's going to be around 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Wonderful time for healing and mentoring as well. And then our crowning event of the day is the full moon that's happening in Pisces at 9.38 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The exact coordinate of the moon at the full moment is Pisces, 16 degrees, 19 minutes. 
Now, this can be a call to altered states. Rather than overdoing drugs, alcohol, or escapism, why not connect to the infinitely more satisfying ecstasy that the divine can provide? A simple bliss invocation can help you. All you have to do is just say, maximum bliss that serves highest good, please. Say that to your higher self. Rest in passive breath awareness, and don't be surprised if the bliss doesn't come funneling down. (laughs) The Pisces full moon can also strongly stimulate inspired creativity and deeper states of unconditional love and compassion. But be careful not to play the martyr or slip into aimless drifting. This lunation's aspect strongly support healing and mentoring, that's a tight Chiron conjunction, and committed partnerships, a Juno trine. Higher service, a Vesta trine, and law of attraction work under a tight Saturn trine to this full moon are also energized. This full moon Sabian symbol is an Easter promenade. While Easter celebrates Jesus' resurrection, each of us can resurrect our own divine consciousness and promenade through life, without having to experience physical death. The mystical radiance of this Pisces full moon empowers this possibility. So actually, I said that was the crowning moment, and it is, but we have aspect patterns that are happening today, so let me tell you about those. A month-long grand trine that started on August 23rd among Juno, Vesta, and Chiron peaks today and ends on September 21st. These planets connect smoothly to support the healing of sexuality, a theme common to Juno and Vesta. This grand trine can also help you find balance between the assertive and receptive aspects of your feminine nature. And also, an augmented version of the Juno-Vesta-Chiron grand trine also peaks today. It's a kite with two additional planets added, Saturn and the Sun as the kite point, which gives the other planets a focal point for their energies. This kite offers stable, flowing energy for healing, especially in committed partnerships. It also supports stepping more fully into selfless service as a healer or mentor and significantly enhances the flow of intuition and emotion. This Sun, Juno, Vesta, Saturn, Chiron kite began on August 29th, peaks today, and ends on September 14th. And that wasn't enough because we have a third and final aspect pattern peaking, And this is a yod with the Sun, Vesta, and Uranus, started on September 5th, ends on September 10th. The Virgoan Sun and Scorpionic Vesta suggest transformative, devoted service to a higher cause. The tip of this finger of God, Arian Uranus, suggests passionate, possibly groundbreaking humanitarian service. On Tuesday, September 9th, we open with Pluto sextile series, Pluto 11 Capricorn, series 11 Scorpio. Wealth enhancement is potentiated by Pluto sextile Scorpionic series. This aspect can also help you positively transform self-esteem and energize mother-daughter relationships. Then we have a void moon kicking in at 3.10 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time here on Tuesday. And the next event after that will be Mercury square Pluto, Mercury 11 Libra, Pluto 11 Capricorn. Libra and Mercury make several slower planet aspects this week, starting with a square to Pluto. This aspect can help you speak important truths with sensitivity to how they will affect others. Research, detective work, and uninhibited creative expression, especially writing, are also energized. And that void moon that started earlier resolves itself as the moon enters Aries at 7.34 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. If you don't already know, void moons are a time to 
try to avoid starting new stuff or making major purchases if possible. Better to do it while the moon is still engaging in Ptolemaic aspects before it makes its last one of that sign. On Wednesday, September 10th, we have Venus opposing Neptune, Venus 6 Virgo, Neptune 6 Pisces. This Venus-Neptune opposition brings special opportunities in several flavors. Developing a deeper relationship with your own divine essence is one, and is a far more life-affirming path to bliss and ecstasy than substance abuse, a low side of that connection. This aspect also supports relating to the divine and everything around you in the physical world, and can also pump up creative inspiration. With Venus in Virgo, your intuition may flow in to support health, healing, and service. Also here on Wednesday, Mercury sextile Jupiter. Mercury, 12 Libra. Jupiter, 12 Leo. Your mental acuity and communication skills can be strongly and harmoniously stimulated with Libran Mercury sextile Jupiter. This aspect also energizes writing and other forms of creative expression. We have a Moon-Uranus conjunction around 9 p.m. on Wednesday. Great time to let your freak flag fly or follow your intuitive flashes, or maybe even do some humanitarian service. And the void moon is happening right around the same time. It looks like it's, that's actually the event that triggers the void moon. And uh, it's interesting, solar fire puts these events about a minute apart. So just to be safe, let's say the void moon is starting at 8.58 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. On Thursday, September 11th, we have Venus Quintal Saturn, Venus 7 Virgo, Saturn 19 Scorpio. Bringing your creative ideas into concrete form is magically empowered with Virgo and Venus Quintal Saturn. This aspect also supports editing and fine-tuning work already in progress. Then we have a Sun-Saturn sextile, Sun 19 Virgo, Saturn 19 Scorpio. You can purr along industriously in matters related to health, service, and systems refinement under this aspect. And then we have the resolution of that void moon with the moon entering Taurus at 9.17 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The moon in Taurus is a wonderful time to slow down, hang out in nature, and just chill. Um, or if you need to be productive, it supports a steady eddy work pace. No significant events to report on Friday, September 12th, so we'll scoot along to Saturday, September 13th, where we have something worth reporting, Mercury opposing Uranus. Mercury, 15 Libra, Uranus, 15 Aries. This opposition highlights the special relationship between these two planets. Mercury represents ordinary rational mind, while Uranus, Mercury's higher octave, represents divine mind. Uranus communicates through intuitive flashes, so pay attention to any sudden insights that you receive. I have found intuitive flashes to be the most reliable information that a human being can receive. With Mercury and Libra, stay especially tuned for creative and relational breakthroughs. We have a lot of events today. Next up is a Saturn-Vesta conjunction, both planets at 19 Scorpio. Focused discipline can help you overcome any obstacles to serving your higher calling under this aspect. Then we have Mars entering Sagittarius today. It will be there through October 26th. This can support passionate questing, enthusiastic learning, fired up teaching, and euphoric sexuality. Then we have a void moon kicking in at 5.58 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time here on Saturday. And then we're getting into a new aspect pattern. It's called a double yod key. It involves four planets, Pallas Athena, Jupiter, 
Chiron, and Pluto. And a double yod key is simply two yods that are sharing common points. Um, so I'll exp- uh, a yod is simply, it's called the finger of God. I was discussing that earlier. It's two quincunxes of 150 degrees and a sextile of 60 degrees. Um, so when you take uh, two of those and you make a pattern where there's four planets creating two yods, that creates a double yod key. So I hope that was clear. If you would like to see the image of that or any other images, I always put the graphics of my aspect patterns in my weekly forecast on my website at astroshaman.com. You can always click to the written forecast and the graphics that accompany it on the sidebar of the homepage. So let's get into the double yod key. Three related aspect patterns kick off today with two yods merging to form a double yod key. For the sake of simplicity, we'll focus on the double yod key rather than the individual yods. The two individual yods are made up of Pallas, Athena, Jupiter, and Chiron, and the other one is Jupiter, Chiron, Pluto. So there are many ways to interpret this yod pattern, and I just chose the one that spoke most to me. Feminine assertiveness, strategic planning, and practical creativity can be powerfully amplified if the proper adjustments are made. Release or transform any structures in your life that stand in the way of your deeper embodiment of these qualities. Assistance from healers or mentors can be very helpful if your solo efforts aren't accomplishing the task. And my method in creating that interpretation was to consider the quickest of the planets, in this case Pallas Athena, being affected by the slower planets. On Sunday, September 14th, we have Saturn trine Juno. Both, uh, they're exactly at a degree. That's not very usual. Uh, Saturn is exactly 19 Scorpio. Juno is exactly 19 Cancer. What I typically do when I give coordinates is just round it to the nearest degree. So under a Juno-Saturn trine, committed partnerships can benefit from extra foundational stability. Next up, the moon enters Gemini, uh, ending the void that started yesterday. And the moon entry into Gemini is happening at 2.27 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Great time for learning and communicating and being playful and perhaps a bit mischievous. And our final aspect of the week is an intense one. Mars and Uranus form a sesquiquadrate, also known as a sesquisquare. It's a, I call it sometimes a square and a half. It's 135 degrees. And um, extra caution is appropriate under this aspect with Mars and Sagittarius and Uranus and Aries, fiery signs and fiery planets, since this volatile combination can be accident-prone. Redirect this energy by taking immediate and enthusiastic action on your intuitive flashes. And that ends our forecast for this week. Looking ahead to the week of September 15th, we finally get a week that isn't just full to bursting with astrological events. Uh, We're going to have a Mars-Neptune square. Venus is going to make... Uh, aspects to Chiron, Uranus, and Saturn. Uranus will oppose Pallas Athena. We've got a couple of aspects to Ceres from Chiron and Uranus. Three new aspect patterns and two continuing. So we'll have plenty to talk about next week. It just won't be quite as intense or quite as long in the forecast section. So I hope you'll join me next week, as always, so I can share with you what I perceive to be the best ways to use the week's astrological forces. You can hear my weekly forecast every week on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it pop into your inbox every week? How about occasional bonus articles on astrology, healing, spiritual awakening, and more? 
That's what you'll get with Astro Shaman's free weekly email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form near the top of the sidebar. And if you'd like to calculate your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astroshaman is an authorized dealer for Solar Fire Gold, which can also run on your Mac. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Solar Fire Software from the drop-down menu. A free weekly forecast newsletter and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. Here's a few quick announcements. More information is available at astroshaman.com on the homepage to scroll down a bit to the What's News section. Uh, last week I announced I was giving away a free two-hour session. If anyone gave me a suggestion for improvement, I may have announced that as a 90-minute session, but I bumped it up. Two-hour free session, and all you have to do to be eligible is send me a suggestion for something I could do better. And as long as I receive it by this Monday, September 8th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, end of the day Monday, basically, uh, your suggestion will go in the hopper and be eligible for choosing. And the cool thing is, the more suggestions you give me, the better your chance of winning, because every uh, suggestion I consider legitimate and worthy earns you a ticket in the hopper, so to speak, although it will, of course, be drawn by a random sequence generator on the web out of all the numbers I put in there. So um, if you can think of anything I could do better, whether it's on this podcast, my videos, my website, my newsletter, anything you're aware of, you think, you know, I, he, if he just did that differently, I think that would take it up to the next level. That's what I want to hear. So uh, you're also welcome to bring praise, but that won't earn you any points. <laughs> I really want to know, what can I do better? So again, just email that to me at info at astroshaman.com. And uh, let me know in your opinion, what could I do to take what I do to the next level? And you might win a free two-hour session for your efforts. So, um, also I want to mention uh, a little looking ahead, uh, October 3rd and 4th uh, near Asheville. I'm doing the Asheville Coptic Conference, doing uh, readings there on astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation. As always, I'm doing my weekly YouTube video forecast with chart graphics, and every Tuesday night from 7.15 to 9 Eastern, my Shamanic Awakening Meetup. You can join us by phone or in person, my love offering. And like I said, just a few announcements, and that's all of them. Our Part 1 listener chart features Michelle. This is the Michelle born August 16, 1965, 6.09 a.m. in Denver, Colorado. Michelle, thank you for sending your chart in, although you did so several years ago. Yours was in the very early part of the stack. Or, you know, I say that, I'm not sure. When I finally scanned those guys in from paper, I had mixed them all up all over the place. So, Michelle, I truly have no idea when you sent your chart in. Anyhow, I hope you're listening so you can hear this. And what I was looking for was a chart that showed the uh, full moon this week in Pisces lining up on something juicy in someone's natal chart. I had to scan through about 50 charts before I found a juicy one like Michelle's. And boy, is it juicy. Uh, Michelle, you're born in 1965, which is when we had the first Uranus-Pluto conjunction in this series that was there in the mid-60s. And when you were born in August, we were just a couple of months off the first actual conjunction of Uranus and Pluto. In your chart, they are about a degree and a half off of conjunction, and they're tightly opposing Saturn and loosely opposing Chiron. So that's a very juicy combo. And for those of you who don't know your uh, astrological history that way, it was the Uranus-Pluto conjunction of the mid-60s. That was the primary astrological reason why the 60s were so crazy all over the world.
And of course, we're now in what I call the 60s part two, which is Uranus and Pluto having made that conjunction in the 60s, now making their first quadrature aspect. That's dividing the circle by four of 90 degrees, which they've been doing now for several years. And and when looking at the world scene right now, yep, pretty crazy. <laughs> Revolutionary transformation, my friends. That's what Uranus and Pluto bring when they get into strong aspect like that. Anyhow, so Michelle, you, we uh, could call you a sleeper agent from the 60s. Whether you've stepped into your revolutionary transformation juju yet, I have no idea. But uh, this full moon might be one of the things that wakes it up if it's not there already. Now, in terms of looking at a full moon in terms of transiting to a natal chart, obviously the full moon is a big deal universally for everybody because it affects us all in the ways I've already described in this podcast. But um, the reason I l was willing to look at this full moon to a natal chart in a part one listener chart is because there were enough slower planets in alignment with it. Just a full moon, yes, it's a stimulation, it lights up something, but it's not as big a deal as it is when there are slower planets involved. And uh, since this full moon is tightly conjunct Chiron, one degree away from the moon, that means, Michelle, you've got Chiron conjunct your natal Saturn in Pisces and tightly opposing your Uranus-Pluto conjunction back in your first house, at least in the Porphyry house system that I use. We also have contributing factors. Um, Uranus by transit right now, Michelle, is quincunx, your natal Uranus-Pluto, and it's semi-sextile, 30 degrees off your natal Saturn. And there's even a third slow player, although he's less significant. Transiting Saturn is currently sextile, your uh, Pluto Uranus, and he's trying your natal Saturn. He's a less important player for three, two reasons, actually. One is he is uh, the quickest of the planets, and in terms of influence in a transit chart, the slow guys, the slower they are, the further away they are from the sun, the more power they have, because they last longer, and they're just that transpersonal juice. And also Saturn is making soft aspects and all things being equal, it's better as an astrologer to talk about the hard aspects because things like trines and sextiles tend to handle themselves more. They're easier, more flowing, more harmonious, not as hard to deal with for the native. And when I say the native, that's what you say about a person whose chart it is. That's the technical term. And um, therefore, the, the real juice here is that Chiron is in the game conjuncting your natal Saturn as it conjuncts the transit moon and opposing your Uranus-Pluto. And Uranus is, I would call, a contributing factor. Now, there's a rule I use in astrology, Michelle, which is that um, slower, non-personal planets in a natal chart are less important unless they are ruling an angle or in an angular house. And uh, Uranus and Pluto and Saturn are, for starters, in angular houses. Again, Uranus and Pluto are in your first house. Saturn's in your seventh. And all of them rule angles. How about that? Uh, I use both ancient and modern rulers. So with your fourth house on Scorpio, or rather Scorpio on your fourth house, that means that Pluto is the modern ruler of your fourth house. And with Aquarius on your seventh house cusp, both Saturn and Uranus rule that one. Saturn is the ancient ruler of Aquarius. Uranus is the modern ruler. So this full moon is lighting up three angle rulers. And uh, Chiron is adding its meaning as well. So uh, what I would say, what I want to do first is give you a natal interpretation of what these three guys are saying about the houses that they rule. Um, so if we talk about the fourth house, which is the Pluto rulership, 
there is the fourth house ruler. When you start talking about ruler in this context, you don't worry anymore about what the planet means unto itself. It's just a placeholder for the house it rules. So instead of Pluto, it's fourth house ruler. Uh, so the fourth house ruler is conjunct Uranus and opposing Saturn natally. And this indicates uh, quite a bit of challenging energy in the home environment. The fourth house rules your home, your deep unconscious, your family. So, um, you know, I don't know anything about you personally, Michelle, but the potential is here for you to have had a pretty volatile upbringing, to have Uranus, the planet of, you know, sudden change and shift and sometimes instability and craziness, uh, conjunct your fourth house ruler. I'm getting that you had at least an unconventional upbringing, and it might have been a little stressful and uh, anxiety-producing sometimes with that uh, flavor of, you know, unconventionality, not just unconventionality, but instability potentially in the home environment. Um, if you choose to respond to what I'm saying here, I'd love to get your actual feedback on what the home environment was like. And of course, the fourth house doesn't just rule your family home as you're growing up, it rules the home you're in now. So um, a way you could take the home now to the highest level is to, in the home with Uranus, be your unique self there, follow your intuitive flashes, and if you want to use your home base as a, a place for serving a greater good somehow, that would be awesome. Uranus loves it when you do that. And uh, those are some ways you could do that. As a bonus, I will add that you also have another uh, outer planet uh, hugging your fourth house cusp. Uh, Neptune is less than three degrees into your fourth house, which says perhaps you enjoy having your home as a sanctuary, a sacred place. A uh, lovely way to use the home for sure. And with Scorpio on the cusp, with Pluto ruling it, that repeats the idea. Well, it doesn't repeat. I haven't said it yet. That says the home itself can be a bastion of transformation and, um, you know, sacred, intense process. So those are some of the potentials of the fourth house for you, uh, described natally by the, the ruler Pluto and what I've said about it. Um, let's talk about your relationship house, which has even more rulers. Again, you have Aquarius on your seventh house cusp. Uh, ruled modernly by Uranus, who's hugging Pluto over there in your first house, ruled anciently by Saturn over there in your seventh house. So Aquarius on the seventh house cusp itself says uh, you enjoy unconventional people. You're not as excited about hanging out with just ordinary folks as you are by someone who's got something unique and special going on, someone who you resonate with. There's electricity, there's an excitement there. And you might enjoy, uh, you know, fraternizing with people who you feel, wow, this person helps me awaken. They help me shift and evolve faster. That's all good Aquarian stuff to evolve there. Now, with the modern ruler Uranus conjunct Pluto, this says that um, you want to be careful. Uh, well, first off, let me back one step away. Aquarius on the cusp itself says be careful about uh, spending too much time with people who are crazy or unstable or chaotic. Uh, not that you can't, you know, choose to help people like that, but in terms of who you want to, like, partner with uh, or spend a lot of time with on a friendship basis, you know, be careful that you don't uh, get involved with people who are too unstable so that they don't destabilize you. Uh, but do go with those people who are high side Aquarius, the geniuses, the unconventional, the unique, uh, the people they broke the mold when they came out kind of people. With Pluto conjunct Uranus, the modern seventh house ruler in your natal chart, this says that also be seeking people who are powerful. Pluto does represent power, but you want people who are confident in their power so they don't try to control you. People who are not fully in their own power try to dominate and control others because it makes them feel more powerful. 
Uh, but once you really sock into your own divine power, you know who you are, you know what you are, pure divine essence, then the desire to control anyone else falls away, and you can just uh, float along as you are. So uh, the great thing about hanging out with people who are powerful and evolved in that power is that you get some of their power by osmosis. It tends to uh, just rub off on you in a really lovely way. And in terms of Saturn, the ancient ruler of your seventh house, Saturn is there in Pisces, saying, uh, seek out people who are high side Pisces. Maybe they're spiritual. Uh, maybe they're really connecting with source. Maybe they're uh, doing a lot of creative expression, another beautiful way to use Pisces. But be cautious about those who are low side Pisces. Uh, try not to uh, perhaps spend a huge amount of time with people who are uh, abusers of substances, alcohol or drugs, um, people who are escape artists, they don't deal with the reality well, or they're drifters and they're kind of aimless, um, and also people who want to get you into a victim-martyr dynamic in the relationship. So those would be some cautions on what to watch out for with Saturn, the ancient seventh house ruler in the sign of Pisces. So that's the potential matrix, both low and high side, um, about how these planets, Uranus, Pluto, and Saturn, that this full moon is lining up on, have in your chart. They relate mainly to home and relationships. Relationships can be anyone of importance in your life, romantic or platonic, friendly or unfriendly. If they're important, they're there. And the fourth house, in addition to the home and family things I mentioned, also is the home of the deep unconscious. So there could be a strong stimulation of the deep unconscious and a lot of processing come up. In fact, with Chiron by transit uh, in alignment with that full moon, um, being the most powerful aspector because it is directly conjunct your Saturn, directly opposing your Uranus-Pluto. Um, Chiron's the wounded healer, and what he brings sometimes is challenge. Uh, when Chiron comes on a situation like this, you may find that you're getting triggered more by people. You're getting more upset by what's happening. Uh, in that case, you're just being shown, okay, here's some heavy, dense stuff in me. It needs to come up and be cleared. And uh, hopefully you've got a modality to clear it with. Uh, I always recommend my healing invocation, where you just, to the higher self within yourself, you say seven words, maximum clearing that serves highest good, please rest passively in the breath. And uh, you might just feel uh, a lot of energy pouring in and coming in to heal and clear that energy that got stirred up. And of course, there are no end of wonderful healing modalities. I'm getting more and more excited about uh, breath work and how that focused breathing in a controlled environment can really release stuff quickly. Of course, shamanic ceremony is awesome too. And there's so many cool ways now available to us to uh, deal with and process that deep, intense material, which you may be working with for a while, Michelle, with uh, Chiron. You know, he takes two years these days to transit over something, and he's, he's on both of your relational rulers. So a good time to do that kind of work if you're getting triggered a lot. And as a bonus mention, you will soon have your Chiron return. Chiron is in the mid-teens now. Your natal Chiron's around 21 and a half Pisces. So within the next year, I think Chiron will be on himself. And that can also be a powerful time of, you know, a lot of stuff coming up for clearing. It can also help you step more powerfully into the high side Chiron, which is the mentor and the healer. Good stuff there. And of course, in the context of all of this, back to the lunation itself, a full moon in Pisces, as I've already said, is a great time to evaluate how am I doing in my spiritual union practices, in my divinely inspired creativity. So um, looking at that and where it's landing in your chart, uh, in your seventh house, uh, maybe you'll want to look at how am I doing that with other people. Um, and especially since the moon and the sun are lining up on your two descendant rulers, 
not only the moon in the seventh, but lining up on the seventh house rulers. Uh, think of that creative expression. Think of that uh, spiritual work in terms of partnership with others or maybe even a number of people. Seventh house doesn't just have to be one other person. It can actually be uh, a few if they're all close with you. So that's probably enough for now. Um, uh, I will add just a little quick coda. Uranus who is, um, again, semi-sextile, your Saturn, and quincunx, your Uranus-Pluto, can be sending down a lot of good intuitive flashes to guide you on this. He's there to help destabilize in your life the patterns around home and relationship uh, because of the context I've already given you um, that need paradigm shifting. So look carefully at what's being shaken up, what's being destabilized, um, what needs to be transformed about it or what needs to be released would be really good strategies here. And in the midst of it all, I said Saturn by transit was the least important factor. Uh, again, he's sextiling Uranus Pluto natally. He's trining your natal Saturn. But, you know, the trines and sextile, rather the trine and sextile from him add a layer of stability and uh, foundation. So he's actually acting as a stabilizing factor uh, through all of this. So I could say so much more about your chart, Michelle. Charts are endlessly uh, interesting, and I could go on for hours. But for the purposes of a Part 1 listener chart, I think we've covered the important bases. If you have any comments or questions about what I've said, I invite you to email me, Michelle, at info at astroshaman.com. Thanks again for sending in your chart. You remain eligible to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. We'll be having that drawing come up uh, this month on the show, I believe, for... Uh, the 22nd of September, the day of the um, entry of the sun into Libra, the fall equinox. So those of you who are listening and haven't yet sent me in your name along with your date, time, and city of birth, please do so to info at astroshaman.com, and you will remain in the drawing pool for years. <laughs> so that ends our part one listener chart. I offer three main services at Astro Shaman, astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation. All are equally effective in person or long distance. Choose one or combine two or more services during your session. Astrology offers insights into soul purpose, career, relationships, spirituality, timing, relocation, and much more. In Awakening Activation Sessions, I help you immerse into your own awakened state using simple, powerful invocations, then teach you how to refresh it on your own. Shamanic healing can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, or mental issues, and usually results in significantly enhanced divine consciousness. I also offer Electional Astrology to help you pick the perfect date and time for any important event. And be sure to check out my free services page, where you can load up on free forecasts, podcasts, invocations, and music. Sliding scale payment is available by request. You can get a 20% discount during your birthday month, and gift certificates are always available. I work with clients all around the world by phone and Skype. You get a free digital recording of your session, and I accept PayPal and all major credit cards. Finally, my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. For more information or to set an appointment, visit astroshaman.com, email info at astroshaman.com, or call 828-338-9852. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. We're wrapping up another edition of This Week in Astrology. One final very brief reminder, if you want to have a chance to win that two-hour session, send me a suggestion on what I can do better. 
no later than September 8th, 2014, end of the day, to info at astroshaman.com. If you enjoy This Week in Astrology, please tell a friend or post or tweet about us or donate to support us at thisweekinastrology.com. You can link to my Facebook page where I post daily forecasts from thisweekinastrology.com and astroshaman.com. You can listen to This Week in Astrology on your smartphone or tablet at stitcher.com. And if you're an iTunes listener, please subscribe through iTunes and help us keep our standing as the number one astrology podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2014 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's this week's index. The overview begins at 2 minutes 7 seconds, Monday, 2.48, Tuesday, 6.47, Wednesday, 8.01, Thursday, 9.30, Friday, 10.21, Saturday, 10.26, Sunday, 13.35, next week's transits, 14.50, announcements, 16.27, and our Part 1 listener chart, 18.24. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.